Good morning. Welcome back to Chop for Time. I'm Devin. I'm here with Ben, Sean, and Thomas, and we are going to take a look into the book of Hebrews, where we had this last week's passage talking about Jesus, our great high priest. So let's start off with a word of prayer. Thomas, would you open us up? Certainly. Uh, Father, thank you for another opportunity that we can get together, discuss your word, um, and and have some fun together while trying to... uh, discuss what you had to say to us on Sunday. Lord, we pray that you inspire this conversation and help us to uh, communicate it effectively. And hopefully that people listening have ears to hear. Um, we love you and we ask to listen to your name. If you haven't already subscribed, we ask that you would hit that subscribe button and hit the like button. That way this goes out to more people and you can get notified of this going out. So another great message on the book of Hebrews. And just thank you for digging into this difficult book, which can be misinterpreted and not rightly divided. This week you took a look at the high priest. And if you would just give us a recap of that. Um, We struggle, man. Mm. And not always... We don't always struggle well. And that's what we looked at yesterday was, you know, that that was kind of the practical application, kind of the way that we framed the message, because the author is setting up these next several chapters all the way till the end of chapter 10 really falls under the umbrella of the theme of Jesus is our great high priest. Um, 414 through 510 is what we covered yesterday. 414 through 16, I think, really kind of launch us into this concept of Jesus being our great high priest. And, and we, we you know, kind of challenged our people yesterday with, you know, in this life, you will have struggles. That's right. You know, you will suffer. You will be persecuted. You will uh, face adversities. That's, that's going to happen. We can't um, dodge it. We can't get away from it. So... With that being a reality in our lives, I think that we need to look at how do we do that well. Then, I mean, if we're going to struggle, which we're going to, how do we do it well and how do we do it via our relationship with Jesus Christ? That's where we landed yesterday. Amen. You know, took a look at how he, um, you know, he is our great high priest. He has gone through. He is familiar with what we're going through. We can come confidently, boldly before his throne of grace and, and for help in the time of need. Chapter 5 starts us into this build because the first four verses the author is telling us, here are the qualifications for the earthly high priest, the Levitical high priest in the nation of Israel. Um, you know, be that they're chosen among men, that they're gentle with the people that they're leading and mm-hmm. they're serving that um, you know they are called by God. That's right. And then in verse 3, we see what sets Jesus apart. That attaches back to verse 15, that he goes through everything that we go through, but yet he did it without sin. Amen. Verse 3 tells us that the high priest, the earthly high priests, have to atone, have to offer sacrifices for the sins of, of the nation, of God's people, plus his sins as well. Mm. And that's what separates Jesus because he was without sin. Mm. Verse eight and nine tell us that he suffered as, you know, through his sufferings, his obedience was made perfect. Mm. 
And then verse 9 says that it is because of this that eternal salvation is found in him and him alone. Amen. So we frame that of how do we struggle well through this lens of having a great high priest that we can go confidently before, that we can go boldly before, who knows what we struggle with because he went through it, yet was without sin. Amen. And, you know, that's such an important aspect because, you know, we, we, we come into church sometimes and we put on our mask and we're like, hey, how you doing? Blessed, you know, high favor, like you said. And, you know, we sometimes just don't allow people to see that we're struggling. Mm-hmm. But obviously we're all going through struggles every day of our life. You know, sin is a constant struggle. So let's do some takeaways just from the message. We'll start with Sean. What was your takeaway, brother? Yeah, I think my takeaway was just that application, um, especially that first point of being sure you are still focused on Jesus. Because I think um, when we do struggle, when we are facing something heavy, you know, it's easy for us to be like, that's uncomfy. I'm going to go back to where I was and what was comfortable. But um, I think really what we should do is just keep what you said yesterday. Just keep your head down and keep chugging, keep following. Mm. Um, So, yeah. Amen. Thank you. Thomas, what about you? What stood out to you, brother? Uh, I really enjoyed that little section you just touched on at the uh, start of chapter five. Um, you were talking about like the um, how the high priest had to go in and you know had ropes around him and bells and stuff because he you know in the past they probably died and then all of a sudden you're left with a body stuck inside the temple and you're like oh, we can't get it out. <laughs> um, so when the high priest was going in, they had to atone for their own sins. And that's what made Jesus so different to everyone else that had gone before is that he didn't have any of his own sin to have to atone for. And that's why he was able to atone for everyone else's sin. And which is just kind of nice to have another bit of a theological reasoning as to why Jesus' sacrifice worked, right? How it accomplished what it did is God set it up a long time ago that there would be a high priest that had to, you know, go in and atone for the sins for the sins of the people but it was never complete mm-hmm. and then Jesus was able to do it in such a way that that was complete you know so it's just it's nice to sort of have it all tied together and have a bit of an answer of like how does this kind of work and um, which I just think is is really helpful amen <clears throat> I think what stood out for me was the nick of time I just love that you know that that we're, you know, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Christ to come. And it, it, it's the God meets us in the nick of time. You know, when we come to him, he's right there. He's not distant. He's not far off. He's, his hand cannot save. It's not short. We just have to come to him to get what we need. And I think that's such an important aspect because often we'll go to other things, you know, kind of what we're going to key in on today. We, we supplement, you know, what can I else can I, what else will help me out in this situation? It's Jesus plus, you know, whatever, you know, we put into our lives and so I wanted to take a look. We talked about taking a look at that, you know, supplementing Christ out or supplementing other things into our struggles. And what should we do? You know, so I'd, let's let's take a look at that. Yeah. One of our takeaways and kind of application points was, you know, how do I struggle well as a Christian? You know, that was the question that we were faced with. And that's, you know, keeping our eyes, our focus, staying our connection with Jesus Christ. And one of the ways that we can do that is never seeing Jesus or relegating him in our lives to a supplement to everything else that's going on. You know, like it's not, it's not Jesus plus anything. It's him and him alone. Amen. 
But I think that we're all so bad, especially in the in the Western church, the Americanized church, is that we want to live our lives, our idealistic concepts of what our lives should be. And then when all of that is going well, that's when Jesus is sprinkled in the most. Yeah. You know, we're showing, you know, God showing our his favor to us because we're living our concepts and our ideals um, comfortably. Right. Um, and we we used the passage of Scripture when we were talking about that. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he shall make your path straight. Mm-hmm. That that word all in there is a big three-letter word. Yes. Because that is all-encompassing. It's not just don't, you know, in certain areas of your life, acknowledge him. And to acknowledge someone means to place them above, to place them first. So if I acknowledge him in all of my ways, that means that I'm acknowledging him or placing him above my family, my career, Mm. my ministry, Mm. um, my pursuits, my ideal life. I'm placing him above all of that. And, and a statement that I made yesterday that is really powerful and rings true in my heart is that we can't afford to have Jesus as a supplement in our lives. But it goes beyond that. It needs to be worded more strongly than that, mm. is that Jesus will not be a supplement in our lives. Mm. We can't afford it. He won't be. Amen. And I think that we're going to discuss some scripture where we see that. Yeah, that's, you know, it's such an important aspect because when Christ calls us, he doesn't call us just to, hey, I want that five minutes on, uh, you know, your morning time, or I want, you know, just you give me an hour on Sunday, um, kind of, you know, God, it's not what he's calling us to. As a matter of fact, let's go look at a passage. If you could, um, can you look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 18? And start there just on yeah. how he calls the disciples. Yeah. So uh, Matthew 4.18 says, As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. He called to them. Immediately they left the bow and their father and followed him. Would you care to read verse 17 there, just that proceeding really quickly? Yeah. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. I just, I, I like that setting of that. At that point, Jesus started, repent. Yes. Turn away from your old lifestyle. And then he makes the call. So No, I think that's a clear aspect because there is a turning. You know, there's an abandonment. And I think that's, you know, what we saw right there, an abandonment. You know, my old life here, new life over here. Yeah. I'd be, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that passage. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't think I've ever thought of the, or them being called in as a sign or as a way of repentance. And that's just such an interesting concept because you know we i think that's a question that always gets asked is okay how do we repent how do we how do we start what's that process look like and it's turning away it's turning away from that sin and i'm not saying 
Zebedee was a you know was sin. You know, I'm not saying fishing is a sin. It's right. It's just an outward expression. You know, they're turning away from their normal lives for something better, for God, for Jesus. You know, they're they understand that this is meaningless if we don't have Jesus. You know, and that's where I, that's what I got out of it. Right. I mean, that's a key aspect because this is their life. Yeah. This is their livelihood, you know, that, that they're digging into. Thomas, what about you, bro? Uh, in this same passage? Yes, same passage. Yeah, it's. I think it's just a really good challenge to remember, like, you know, we look at these sort of passages with hindsight and we know it's like, well, you know, they had the Messiah come right up to them and, and you know, say what he said. And it's like, you know, so we can kind of brush it off and say, well, you know, if Jesus walked up to me and said, leave everything that you have, come follow me, of course I would do it. But, you know, that was 2,000 years ago, and now we just, you know, we got the Holy Spirit, and that's great, and, you know, and we kind of make excuses. Um, and we, we make it sound as if, well, it'd be easier for them, you know, because it was Jesus. Yeah. It's like, well, you know that in hindsight, because you know that he died on the cross and rose again. These guys just saw this guy, and there was something about him that they mm-hmm. couldn't quite put their finger on. And they were like, yeah. Let's let's give it all up and let's go, um, which is which is huge, uh, and I think we kind of underrate it because you know we look when you know the the story of the Bible, it's really hard to put yourself in their shoes because they didn't know the ending. We do, mm-hmm. you know, and we know it turns out well, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and but for us in our day today, it's like, well, I don't know the ending. I don't know if this is going to turn out well, so I can't give that up just in case, you know. Uh, which always makes it a little bit harder, I think. I think a conversation that Thomas and I have had a few times, uh, he'll usually, when related to this type of conversation, he'll he'll come in with this statement of that Jesus may not require you to give up everything and follow him, but he wants you to be willing in case he does. Mm-hmm. You know, just that concept of, you know, some people he does ask that of, some people he doesn't. But he expects all of us to be willing to do that if he, you know, if he commands it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's initial. We, you know, that surrender. Mm-hmm. You know, surrendering to God. We've been running our own life, and he says, "I want every part of your life, not just that little bit of time." Which is that's what makes Jesus is to supplement. You know, I'm going to add Jesus in here because uh, this is my social club mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. you know, other things. What do you guys think about, you know, adding? How do we add Jesus into whatever life is? Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's easy nowadays to have Jesus as that supplement because, you know, we have we have TV. We have, you know, we have um Oh, we have music, we have gaming, we have all these different outlets that we can go to. But that's not the main outlet we should be going for. Mm-hmm. You know, and I struggle with this too. You know, I should probably be reading my Bible more than I'm playing video games. Mm-hmm. But in reality, I'm playing video games more, you know, and um, using that as a, using that Jesus as a supplement, like, hey, you know, well, I'm done with my video games now. Now I will. Now I'll do my prayer. Now I'll do this, you know, when I should have been, let me do my prayer first, then video games or, you know, I think I have it, the role switched. Mm. I'm, I don't have Jesus focused first and then anything else supplementing that. Which is a danger for all of us. Yeah. Obviously, I think 
And, and I think that, I mean, you can almost insert anything. I mean, even, even the good, noble, and just things of yes. our family, you know, our, our career, our doing and serving others can become that way. And I mean, this is, this has been the struggle from kind of the beginning. Yes. It's like, it's a first fruits concept. It's giving, kind of giving Jesus what we have left instead of giving him the first. Mm. You know, we saw that with the sacrifices and the offerings of Cain and Abel. Yes. And, you know, we see all throughout scripture that God expects our first fruits. Mm. It's not what we have left over. It's us giving him first. Because if we just are saying, okay, we're going to take care of all of this stuff first, and then we're going to sprinkle Jesus in or give him what's left, then he's become a supplement. Amen. Thomas, anything on that? Yeah, uh, I did have something and it slipped. Okay, I remember. Uh, so I was saw a John Chris clip recently. Uh, he's a Christian comedian who can be controversial sometimes but it just popped up on my Facebook feed and he was making a joke about something but was kind of serious about it I think and it really hit home hard and he was saying it's far too easy to become a Christian these days and he was kind of making jokes about this and he was saying like you know back back in our day when we were kids you know and uh, if you wanted to accept Christ at an altar call you had to get over your pride stand up walk up to the front of the church and uh you know, give your life to Christ. And then he was like, and then, you know, we sort of, we wanted to make it a little bit easier for people. So then it was just raise your hand. And then he said he was at a church service recently where it said on the screen, if you want to give your life to Christ, text this number. And he's like, we're making it too easy. And he was joking about it, but I was like, he's kind of got a good point. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, like we've, we've, we've understandably, we're trying to make the gospel accessible to everybody, which we should do because it is accessible to anybody. But we, I think we're doing it the wrong way by just watering it down so much by saying, you don't have to give up anything. You can be whoever you want. You can live in whichever way you want to be. It's just the free gift of eternal life. Just accept it and you're good to go. Mm. It's like, oh, man, that's, man there's so much more well, than that, the, you know? Yeah, and the early uh, you know, church reformers and the Puritans, which admittedly went way overboard <laughs> with legalism and, and that kind of stuff. But... It would. It was like a three-month process, yeah. like the repentance and the process of aligning yourself to the place that you could surrender mm-hmm. and receive that gift of salvation. Would I mean it was a month-long process, um, which I'm not saying is right. It's just yeah. it's kind of building on that point. Yeah. Is like yeah, it's it costs us something. Mm-hmm. There's an unsurety, an uncertainty, you know, I mean, it's not, it wouldn't be faith and trust if it was absolutely a standard and so cool, you know, I mean, it would be those things. He wants you to step out with faith. I was watching a video last night and he says, you know, the guy that was playing Jesus, I require much of those who follow me, but I don't require those. I require little of those who don't. You know, and just like that, you know, I mean, yes, he requires everything. So good point. There was a passage we talked about earlier. Uh-huh. If you would take a look at that, I think it was in Matthew 19. Matthew 19. And because I wanted, we looked at the positive, James and John and Peter and Andrew. Hey, they get up, they leave everything. They're called, man, we are going. And so what about this passage is opposite negative point, because there are points in the Bible where people just say, I can't. Yeah. Uh, Yes, this is the passage of the rich young ruler. Uh, So Matthew chapter 19, verse 16 onwards. Well, I don't know. 26, 16 through 26. Yeah. Uh, Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? 
that's so human. Yeah. yeah. Uh, why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell all your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is harder for, for someone who is rich to enter the... Or sorry. Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible, which is a fantastic, I mean, it is bad news because the guy leaves, but then you got the ending, which is good news of that with Jesus, anything is possible. But I think, especially in our culture, right, we live in some of the wealthiest parts of the world, even, even though we're in one of the more impoverished areas in the States, we're still so much wealthier than most of the world. Mm. Um, it was like 2010 or 2011, there was a statistic that came out that I think it was 53 out of 100 people on earth lived on $2 a day. Um, and we were talking about that with our youth after we went to Sweet Life and spent $80 on ice cream. And I was like, we just spent 40 times people's daily wages on ice mm. cream. Wow. And we were saying like, if we're, if we think we're not rich, we're kidding ourselves, you know. Um, and Jesus makes it very plain. It's like, it's hard to enter the kingdom of heaven if you're rich mm. because we see in revelation chapter three um the the lukewarm passage he says you know you say to me you're rich you have everything you need and you don't you, you need nothing need nothing um and god's like yeah but i tell you you're naked pitiful and and all this kind of stuff um because you know we we have so much that we it's so hard to rely on god because we have everything we need mm. like i don't need god We've talked about this a few times, like, I, I don't need God, I've got all I need. And that's such a dangerous place to be. Um, because at that point, then you're saying, it's like, well, then I'm not willing to give this up for Jesus. And the moment we say that, you, there's your idol right there. Yeah. You know, whether it's a house, your family, uh, your money, your possessions, your clothes, whatever it might be, um, your sports, your team, whatever, all that kind of stuff. Um, and... Uh, it doesn't end well, right? The guy walks away sad and doesn't accept Jesus. And we know that that doesn't lead anywhere good, um, which is a real challenge, I think, um, because I think we all have things that we would struggle to give up. Sure. Um, Kylie and I actually have friends uh, who were in Lexington, I think. I, I don't really know. The whole story is some of the people that she knew. And uh, they felt called to go into uh, ministry and they were, they felt called to just give up everything they had, sell all of it, and just um, take on a simpler lifestyle and give up, give away all of their wealth that they accrued from selling their, their possessions to the poor. And they had loads of Christian people, close friends of theirs, say that's dumb. And they had family fly in from out of state to try and convince them not to do this. Because I think we're just so wrapped up with like, no, 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 no. Well, what about your retirement? What about, like, you got to build up treasure for yourself on earth because, you know, <laughs> and hmm. they were like, no, <laughs> Jesus is more important. Yeah. I feel called to do this. And if I feel called to do it, I got to do it. Amen. You know? Amen.
Good stuff. Any uh, comments on that passage from Matthew 19? Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, like, um, like Thomas was saying, you know, I think America, it's easier to have that rich young ruler mindset. You know, even as a broke college kid, I still have that, like, there's a lot of stuff I'd struggle letting go of, you know, um, and that is such a dangerous place to be, you know, um, because like, like Thomas said, you know, it's probably just going to be a reiteration of what he was, all he was saying, cause all of it was good. Um, Amen. it'd be tough to sell all your possessions because mm-hmm. it is, I think, it, I think we do worry so much about the future. What does the future hold? What is, what does the rest of my life look like when, you know, um, Thomas played a um, video about Francis Chan talking about life, and he has this big long rope that stretches all the way across the stage. And he goes, "You know, the world's all, your worldly life is only about this long, and we're worrying about this when we have all of eternity to spend. So instead of living for this, we should be living for you know the rest of the rope." And I think that was just such a powerful thing to say because you know when we have these these items when we have these worldly possessions mm-hmm. that we we don't want to get rid of it's because we're living for that three inch piece of rope instead of the eternity filled rope man amen that was a powerful message right there not only that he said you're living for this you're saving for this one part of this end little yeah. piece of this three inches all the people saving he's like you're stupid <laughs> you know it's yeah. like they, no because i'm living for this and that's not stupid so yeah. it's about living for eternity amen pastor if people have made it this far into this conversation, they're probably already aware of this. But I feel like there should be a clarifying point here. The eye of a needle that the camel has difficulty going through is not a sewing needle. What? I And, and this just comes up because I saw a meme from someone who's been a Jesus follower for a long time the other day. And they had this passage quoted and it was a somehow they rendered like a camel squeezing through an actual eye of a sewing needle Mm. that's not what this is the eye of a needle in this culture was a small little hole cut in the base of a wall for animals to go in and out of (laughs) that's what the eye of a needle in this (laughs) culture would have been it wasn't a sewing needle so the camels could get through there but it was extremely difficult and uncomfortable for them to do so. So just a clarifying point, this is not a full-size camel trying to squeeze themselves through a little bitty end <laughs> of a sewing needle. Good stuff. Good felt stuff. like I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't say that. <laughs> Amen. Uh, Amen. Uh, and I, too, just think that it's important that, you know, it's not just a one-time thing. You know, it's not just, hey, I need to surrender when I go to the altar once. I'm done. You know, then I've, I've surrendered everything to Jesus uh, because I went for it at the altar. That just doesn't work in the Christian life. You know, the and I love it in John chapter 6, where Jesus says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you got no part of me. And the Bible says from this saying that many of his disciples yeah. said, we're out of here. You know, to put it in, in we're gone, man. You, you're weird. So, um, you know, they were just left out. And, you know, Jesus said to his own disciples, do you want to go? Peter said, man, you got the words of eternal life. Where are we going to go? And Peter makes the captain obvious statement. Before he said that, makes the captain obvious statement of the whole passage right there. He's like, Rabbi, these sayings are hard. Hard sayings. And we don't understand. It was like, yeah, you think? <laughs> <laughs> 
And that's it. You know, it's again, it's not about us understanding and having complete wraparound of who Christ is. But I think it's important that we look at when we're looking at struggles. When we look at these things. Where's God calling us in our struggles? You know, where, where is it, are we going to depend upon him or a supplement? Yeah. Um, good stuff. Let's do a takeaway from the passages we've just read or overall things. We'll start. I'll start today. Um, and I just want to, you know, my, my takeaway is, is that we just need to build up those godly habits. You know, I need to focus on Christ, spending time with him, spending time in his presence so that when I go through a struggle, I can go to him. Or, you know, and he put godly people in my life. That's another thing. You know, I can talk to them. I can share, hey, I'm going through this right now. Uh, being in his word, the psalmist, you know, says, man, your word has comforted me in multitudes of sorrows. This is, they made, they didn't make God their supplement. They made God their all in all. And I think we have to continue to do that, not just once. We'll go to Thomas next. Yeah, Um one of the things I was just thinking about there uh, is just that that verse 26 uh, in Matthew chapter 19. Um, you know, after all the stuff that, you know, he's been talking about and, and the disciples are like, who can possibly be saved? And Jesus is like, yeah, it's impossible. Mm. Uh, but, with, but with me, it is possible. And then we get another story um, of Zacchaeus, uh, who, another rich man, who it is made possible through Jesus to follow him because he does follow in obedience and say, you know what, I made mistakes. I'm going to actually rec repent, rectify this, turn around and and just be generous. And, and because the overflow of what Jesus has done for me, I got to go do for others. You know, just so, um, so yeah, even though like Jesus kind of clears like, yeah, with man, it's not possible. You just can't do it. Um, thankfully, with Jesus, it is possible because a life... Uh, that is lived for Jesus has fruit that sort of shows um, just how possible it is to sort of uh, fit through the eye of a needle and, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so yeah. Good stuff. Sean? Yeah, I think for me, it's just putting um, Jesus first, you know, instead of having that, that you know, whatever said that worldly thing is first mm. and Jesus as a second, start yeah. putting him first, you know. Mm reading first before I get on to play video games or to watch TV, you know. Um, and just like what you said, just growing in him daily. Amen. That way when a, when something does come up, when when something, you know, happens, that we can stay focused on him and know that he'll see us through. Amen. Pastor? What, what would I have difficulty in giving up? Hmm. That's what's been running through my head this whole conversation of if – Christ requires me to walk away from something or to give something up or to abandon something, what areas of my life would I truly have an incredible amount of difficulty doing that? Mm -hmm. and, and I think that that's, I, I'm, I think I'm having my heart exposed a little bit in some areas of my Amen. life right now. And that's, that's what this conversation has done for me. Amen. It's one of the things I, I love, you know, that you put out in Lent, you know, things to give up because it challenges all of us. Hey, yeah. give up TV, this, give up this, give up this, you know what I mean? And I think those are great things. So, amen. That's that's wonderful. We want to thank you for joining us in this chop for time. And again, please hit that like button. And if, if you would leave a comment or question, have any comments, questions, please write those down below. We will look at those and answer those. If you um, need to reach out, you can reach us at FCC Grayson 
www.homechurchlexington.com or you can give us a call. Uh, if you don't have a home church, we invite you to come partake in our home church because we want to grow in Christ together and we know the importance of having a family. So we invite you to come be part of the family of FCC. With that said, we'll close out in prayer. Sean, would you close out? Yeah. Lord, we love you. Thank you for all that you do for us um, each and every day. Lord, I just pray that as we um, go throughout our days that we can just figure out um, what in our life is holding us back, keeping us tied down to the worldly things we possess. Um, Lord, I just pray that you uh, go through our hearts and search us, Lord. Um, point out the bad so we can fix it. Lord, I pray that um, you're just with us always. Amen. pray. Amen.